Live from the Table, a Comedy Cellar affiliated podcast coming at you on Sirius XM 99, Raw Dog, and the Laugh Button Podcast Network. This is Dan Natterman. And with me, of course, Noam Dorman. He's back in studio, back from, some people call it Palestine, some people call it Israel, some people call it the land of Israel. Uh, but Noam is back from there. Noam, Occupied I, Palestine. I trust you had a That's good time. That's what my time. mother calls it. <laughs> I trust you had a good time. I had a very good time, yes. I trust your Zionism is no is no weaker than it was. Is it any stronger? My Zionism, my 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 Zionism, my Zionism is intact, and not uh, reinforced necessarily, but intact. Um, you know, you, you could get tempted to see. How do I put this? You know, ethnic pride is uh, is a uh, double edged sword, and and there's 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 bad sides to it. So, while I would confess that what I saw the remarkable achievements of this small country, the technological achievements, the the, uh, the just in the short time since I hadn't been there, the the progress, um, uh, I felt you know unhealthy or you know tinges of of ethnic pride, right? But that's not something that um, I'm proud of. So, but I'm con- going to confess to it. Like it is, it is remarkable, you know, to see what's accomplished there. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> I said it's it, it <laughs> so, attacked, so, but is yeah, it reinforced? So, 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 so in that sense, it was reinforced. Why is that bad to have pride in? Because like you're saying being pride, being proud of being Jewish. Because. Nationalism is not uh, always the greatest force in the world, and um, with ethnic pride can come ethnic uh, feelings of ethnic superiority, and can also the expressions of ethnic pride can lead other people to feel resentful or feel like you're taking a side swipe at them or whatever. Whatever. There's there's a there's a lot of and 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 most of all, what do I have to do with it? Just because I happen to you know be born Jewish, I have a right to take like I like. Yeah, that's great. People uh, somehow related to me in DNA have accomplished this. Be that as it may, it is it is a remarkable country, and it, and I think it's worth um, uh, of admiration for that accomplishment for it, so such an accomplishment in such a short time, and other nations could learn from that. Um, having said that, just as a matter of an embattled people who. Uh, you know, would be wiped off the face of the earth if their enemies could do so. Yes, my Zionism is fully intact. And that's without regard to whatever policies of the new right-wing government, you know, that I may or may not agree with that haven't even been enacted yet, or if I would have voted for this party or that party. Uh, no more than I think that the the French should be uh, telling the Muslim women that they can't wear the hijab, right? Isn't that, is that what they do in France? You know, that's I don't. I think that's a terrible thing that they do that, but it doesn't implicate my notion that France is a nation and has a right to exist. That's kind of a domestic matter that I disagree with. So Israel may be headed for some domestic matters that I would disagree with. I don't know that, but that's a 
different issue to me than the fact that the country exists to protect the Jewish people from its enemies. And by the way, I forgot to introduce Perry L. Ashenbrand is also with us. Speaking of Jews. And she is our producer. And we have with us uh, a returning guest, Jack Holmes. But didn't you want to ask me about the, the waitress? I do, but oh. I just want to introduce to everybody oh, okay, first. Okay. Uh, Jack Holmes is a senior staff writer at Esquire, where he covers politics and sports and also hosts Unipocalypse, a series on solutions to the climate crisis. You can find him on Twitter at Jack Holmes. Zero. Oh, I have some questions to him about that. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, we'll get to that. But first, I did want to talk about... Wait, There's just a- one second. Don't forget that we have to talk about stupid today. You promised. Okay, stupid. Okay, moving on. I'm kidding. Uh, stupid is Periel's... Uh, we can do, do it that. now, so get out of the way. Periel's web series, Stupid, premiering on... December 5th on YouTube. It's an animated talk show, a, a bite-sized animated talk show set on the stoop of the Comedy Cellar. Our first episode is with the illustrious Noam Dwarman. It, well, listen, the truth is, the only reason I'm the first episode because I was the funniest. I, I saw a bunch of them, and I, I was really funny, I have to say. Not that I'm always funny or, or I didn't find myself particularly funny, but the magic was in the air and I was really funny. You watched a couple of them. You were much more interested in your own. Yeah, I'm so unusual. Certainly not uh, unusual. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, we wish Periel luck. I'm in one of the episodes. We wish Periel all the luck in the world with that project. Uh, Yeah. She worked very, very hard on it. And Nicole... um, With Danny Cohen. Danny Cohen, Nicole. uh, You didn't introduce Nicole. Oh, I forgot. Nicole... From the great city of Binghamton, New York, is our sound engineer. She works magic behind the scenes, seldom heard from, but we couldn't do it without her. For those of you back from your 15-second skip. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, it's it's a little bit like um, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood of Make-Believe meets uh, the Gary Shandling show was that's what your that's what your cartoon is a little bit it because (laughs) what yeah i mean it's supposed to start Mr. rogers you ever watch mr rogers neighborhood of make-believe when everything turns so basically the idea is is that it'll start in the beginning that was not with non-animated that was starts non-animated it's no no with mr rogers he'd started off like real uh, you know, and then we go to puppets. and then we go to the puppets. But no animated. It wasn't animated. Okay. But but, but he, he I think take... the analogy is fair. Okay, because it would go from real people to puppets. And yeah. so the second we hit the stoop, meow 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 meow. Right, exactly. <laughs> that was the only part of the show I could really tolerate was the puppet part with. Uh, not the real stuff. Henrietta, Henrietta uh, Pussycat. But anyway, the idea is, is that it'll, right now they're a minute, a minute and a half long. But the idea is, is once we sell it or partner with whomever to make them longer, they'll go much deeper and they'll be like five to 10 minutes. And they will be live action and, and animation. Yeah. Kind of like the Phantom Tollbooth movie. You ever seen that? N- no, but it's not, it's not going to be. Who Frame Roger Rabbit also has. Yeah, yeah. It'll start out. Yours is actually the only one that's going to do this in the beginning. So it starts out like you and I, and then the second we hit the stoop, everything. You and me. Yeah, go ahead. Actually. (laughs) It starts out with you and me. Yeah. Yeah. With you and me. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. It's after the preposition. Yeah. Yeah. Object of preposition. No, but it's you and I start out. Right. Because it's a subject. Right. Yeah, but that's not what you said. Go ahead. Okay. Well, let's play (laughs) that fucking back and make sure. But that's sort of pedantic to to really... uh, quibble with that. Yeah, but she deserves it. But go ahead, go ahead. So it starts out 
in live action. And then the second we hit the stoop, everyone and everything turns into a cartoon. Well, Will oh, Periel, pedantic means like full, okay. you know, showing we'll, 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 Sorry, I thought I was actually the one with a master's degree in fucking writing. That's exactly why I corrected you, because you always talk about your friggin' master's degree in English. We, we will talk more about stupid at when the show is out, and perhaps we can play a clip, the audio anyway. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Uh, but I did want to talk to Noam. Okay. Um, and yeah. we're going to get to our guest, Mr. Holmes. And feel free to chime in, Jack, by the way, on <laughs> this next topic. Uh, but there was a waitress here that I, I thought was rather pleasant uh, that ended up getting fired. And I asked Noam if we could discuss it, you know, uh, because it, we won't mention her name. But she got fired uh, because apparently, and everybody liked her and she was a good waitress and she did her job well. But at some point, I believe she, she left it, it, like she would, I don't know. She didn't have any tables, so she had a couple of free moments. Oh no, she had tables. I think. Oh, did she? <laughs> I, I, I believe she had tables. I'm not sure. Well, she 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 left the floor and she went across the street to get a drink. Okay, and a and, shot, and yeah. she was fired, and she got caught. She got fired. Yeah, and but were, but I was I was not uh, um, necessarily in favor of her being fired. Now, note notice by, by the way, note that Noam owns the place, Lock, Stock, and Barrel. So. Well, this is a tough call because it's, it is a serious thing for a waitress to leave the floor for any reason, let alone to go get a drink. But the fact that you were not in favor of getting fired and you are the owner, one has to ask the question, well, then why was she fired? Because um, I, I give that authority to my general manager who, who decided that she wanted to fire her, she, that, that she could manage the place better by firing her. It's a crazy thing to do to leave in the middle of your ship to go have a drink at a bar across the street. Having waitressed for many, many years in my younger days. Listen, I would imagine if you were to uh, get this true statistic of how many people in the alcohol-serving business have not snuck a shot of alcohol, it is a very small number. So that's the thing that's actually very curious to me because... You have mentioned to me in the past that if somebody, like if a bartender gave a drink away, you would fire them for that. Yes, I would. And that's, I mean, that's something that was... Because that's called stealing, Perio. Well, I don't, I don't, I mean, you're calling it stealing. In my, in my, in my experience... <laughs> Am I being pedantic by calling it stealing? Yes, oh, well, you when you get When you uh, give somebody for free something that you're getting paid to collect money for... Uh, I would call that stealing well, because no, but- I end up with less money in my pocket that's supposed to be in my pocket. But don't a lot of uh, bartenders have the authority to give right. away occasional free drinks? No, they don't. Yeah. Not in our place. Either. Okay, maybe not in your place, but in my experience. <laughs> well, I but worked, they don't but, have that authority. But here. I worked in so many but bars. You, and you need to specify of, bartender, but no. All the, over the city. Like if somebody, if their friend comes in or their wife or oh, somebody. Oh, their friend, that's great. I'm, I'm, I, let me just give out drinks to people's friends. What if it's like if you buy one, you get one free? But that's or, not our policy. Okay. But back to the original thing. Is the yeah. problem that she had a drink during her shift or that she left the premises to have said both both those are both those are both problematic but um that's on one side of the ledger and also on that side of the ledger is the consequences of the kind of like the undermining the rules if somebody doesn't get fired for something but actually it's coming back to me i had suggested that she be suspended for two weeks i thought that would be enough of a deterrent of a deterrent for a future people who might want to do it uh i thought she was quite a good waitress and I had a, had a good friendly spirit that I, that I liked for the place. Now, maybe she wasn't as good a waitress as I thought she was. Obviously, they kind of do better when I'm there 
they put their best foot forward when it comes to me, although I never heard that she wasn't a good waitress. And I, you know, I tend to be more forgiving actually about, I, I'm very unforgiving about a waitress being rude to a customer, nasty to a customer, things like that I find intolerable. They, and I think they need to go because someone who's nasty once, that's just who they are. They're going to be nasty again. It never works. I've given second chances. It never works. Stealing is another thing. As I told you, my father used to say, stealing is like masturbating. It's very hard to do it just once. That has proved to be true. I once gave somebody a second chance who stole $40,000 from me, and then she stole another $160,000 from me. So I, I learned my lesson. You mean she, she stole a whole night's revenue? <laughs> this, was in, this was in the office. Uh, back that in- is... So insane that you said you would fire somebody for giving a shot for free, but you're going to give somebody a second chance after they stole forty thousand dollars. Does that make any sense? Well, he's he he he's learned from that mistake. He learned that stealing uh, you don't just steal once. Yeah. Well, this is a different thing. It, it was it was in the office. I'm not going to go into that situation. But anyway. But having said all that, you know, when you're dealing with uh, younger people. And that's a, that's a whole other scenario I could talk about another day. When you're dealing with younger people, this is a woman who was a very good employee. This, there was a lot of cash in and out with not a good system. She had a child. She'd been very, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole oh, other thing. I mean, I'm sure that she well, needed we, the money, but. You know, you're a fucking heartless bitch. You know that? <laughs> but, but, but you also said you'd fire somebody for giving away a drink. So that does, an explanation is, is not out of, out ridiculous as to why you would fire somebody for a drink and not somebody who stole 40 grand. Right, yeah. but if I said anything, he would say that just because it's me so, saying So having said all that, I, I'm not that eager to fire people. And when you have some, you have a, a young person in their early 20s, they do stupid things like sneaking drinks. Now, now my question would be is, uh, who is the least famous comic that if they ask you to, to hire her back, you would hire her back? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> the, lead, the lowest on the totem pole, which is, by the way, going to insult whoever uh, you yeah, name. I, can, I can't name it because exactly that. It would, it would put them on lowest on the totem pole. I can tell you that if- Like if Chris uh, Rock said, where? <laughs> <laughs> I could tell you that um, if, I, I don't want to say, but you, you, it's a good, you, uh, there's a lot of comedians if they said, listen, I, I really miss that. Girl, okay, they're, but how, they're how, back again. How much, <laughs> in other words, tonight. would it be enough? If somebody said, hey, where's, let's call her Kelly. It's not her name, of course. Uh, what would they have to say to get you to hire back? Oh, you know what, I miss Kelly. Would that be enough for certain comedians? Well, it would be easy. In this particular case, it would be because I wanted to hire her back anyway. So, so if Ray, Rom- if Ray Romano said nothing but, oh, come on, where's Kelly? Oh, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> if, and he said nothing more. Would that be sufficient for you to say, you know what? She'll be, uh, we'll get her back. No, no, that wouldn't be sufficient. What if he said, ah, oh, no, I'm, ah, oh, geez, you know, I like the wings, but, you know, when they're served by Kelly, that they, they taste a little bit better. No, no, you're, you lost yeah, your, lost your, your Ray Romano left right, you. You had it I, the I, first I, time. left me. But anyway, um. But 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 Ray Romano <laughs> could certainly, if he said, "I I would like you to hire Kelly back," you would do so. I don't know, you know, pr- probably. But like I said, because because I was leaning, you know, I kind of wish that we, I'd be fine having her back. But if it was somebody I felt I couldn't hire back, no no comedian would ever throw that kind of weight around. If well, I, what if they said, "I'm not coming back here again unless you hire this person," well, I'd have to hire them. But that <laughs> I, none, of, none of them would do that. That this is, well, none of them would do it. It's a hypothetical. Yes. Uh, Jack Holmes is with us, as I pointed out earlier. He's got a deep, rich timber. That's true. Um, he's quite young. That's also true. How old are you? 31, as of Sunday. 
Oh, happy belated. Happy birthday. To our favorite Sagittarius. That's true. Um, well, Dan, I didn't know you were gay. <laughs> <laughs> I am I'm not, not, but um, I just thought that was a funny thing to say. Um, so what are we talking with Jack about today, Noam? Uh, you said anything and everything? Well, when he, well we get, let's get his take on the whole world. But I was having said that, when I saw Jack in the olive tree, Jack... Jack was on uh, years ago because he was such a far left wing uh, Charles Pierce type of. Is that his name Pierce? I used to edit him, yeah. Yeah, Pierce type of guy. And when I saw him, he, he I think he, he was a few in, but he said, you know, I, I, I turn to the right on some stuff. Well, I think I, like uh, a fair number of liberal minded people, got a little exhausted by the, the COVID regime that we ended up having to live with where. Whenever I would write something that was like, seems like it's looking pretty good. The vaccines work. Like, maybe we should go back to doing the things that make life worth living. Uh, I would just get a torrent of abuse of people telling me that I was an ableist, you know, sociopath and all of this stuff. <laughs> really? They would say- <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and this is what they do to people that are putatively, like, I'm like on the same side. Like, I, I was for the lockdowns for a long time. I didn't know what the effect would be on schools, but I thought it was worth it going in that direction. But at a certain point, we do need to move on with our lives. And the reaction to that really put me off. You know, it, it made me aware of how people go down these sort of online rabbit holes and struggle to come out. And it's not just a right wing uh, issue. Yeah, well, that's very. And, and by the way, I, I, uh, I agree with you. Just, you know, we were very I was very uh, COVID left, although I, at the time it was happening. It was not yet a partisan issue and I didn't see it as a partisan issue. And then in retrospect, I think it's pretty clear that some of it was excessive. But we, we couldn't have known that at the time. I, I feel very confident it was the right decisions to make at the time. And then, and then at some point, it was like, well, the, we have the vaccine and we know very well what the risks are now. And we're, we even have uh, Europe is opening their schools. Like, what's going on here? What are we doing? And at that point, it became kind of ridiculous, right? Yeah, I mean, I got blown up on a Friday night by uh, Taylor Lorenz, who's a Washington Post, and I think now Atlantic reporter. She got fired, right? I don't know what her what the d- issue was. but She got fired for leaving the office for a drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true, yeah. But, you know, she blows me up in an eight or nine tweet thread on a Friday night about how it's because, you know, Dave Weigel, who was her coworker, said thank you for pointing out that nobody died because of the White House Correspondents' Dinner. I don't know if you remember this, but... When before the White House Correspondence Center, which is DC's favorite event, a lot of liberals are saying that this is going to be a, a super spreader event and implying that this is going to be some sort of mass casualty issue. And then, you know, month, two months later, we don't really hear about anyone dying. And of course, we can't say for sure that nobody on the, you know, wait staff or anybody was negatively affected. But I did write something that was like, are we going to talk about how none of that came to pass? And, you know, everyone was vaccinated and they went to an event, a, you know, a gala event, gala event, and it was fine. Uh, and it's like a nine tweet thread. All of her, her fans are coming in saying, how could you say this? It's horrific. And I'm like, but that's what happened. You know, that's what happened. And if you're, if you're concerned about your risk of, of COVID exposure, that at some point, at some point, it's no longer a social problem. It is a personal decision that you have to make based on your risk uh, assessment. You know, I, I agree with you. And of course, it really began to jump the shark during the BLM protests when you saw people just who had been so, you know, angry about there were some kids in like Midwest University, not, you know, who were out in the 
in a in a river swimming. Do you remember that one? And they were like, people were, they're going to get people killed. And then like a week later, George Floyd, everybody's out pro, and they managed to rationalize the protest. It's like, well, what are you doing? Like, you know, take some kind of principled stand. It was outside. Like the the defense is that it's outside. It's it's no, that's fine. But it, but yeah. they but they weren't accepting that defense yeah. from other from right wing type people, right? Yeah. And 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 we didn't. Well, also, know. the beaches in Florida, people were making a big deal out of uh, spring breakers in Florida. Yeah, outside that's the kind of on thing. the beach. Yeah, the Grim Reaper guy that was walking around. I don't know if you remember that. Guy. Oh yeah, that rings a bell. But it turned out that he was completely wrong, and people were totally fine to be on the beach and. You know, as you said, you know, we made some mistakes as a society in the beginning. We didn't, we'd never gone through this since, you know, my grandfather died in 2021. He was alive for the last pandemic, but pretty much nobody was. So we didn't know what we were doing. Did he we die were, of COVID? No, no, no. Uh, Wait, he, the last one was 1918 or something? 1919. Wait, so how, this motherfucker was over 100? 101, yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Um, now was he, did he have thing. his marbles uh, even toward the end? He did. Yeah, he totally did. Fought at Iwo Jima. Is a wow. great man. Yeah. Um, but, you know, nobody knows what we're doing. So, you know, everyone makes a big thing about, you know, G- Gavin Newsom in California, they fill in, or the L.A. County, whatever it was, they fill in the uh, skate park on the beach in Venice. And everyone's like, in retrospect, obviously that was stupid because that's not a, a priority for the government. But at the time, we didn't know. So there, we should have, I think, you know, somebody wrote on this in the Atlantic recently, but there should be, hopefully from both sides, there could be a little concession that, like, Maybe some of the Democratic governments overreacted in some of the stuff they did because they didn't know what they're doing. Maybe the Republicans were a little too cavalier about the risk of death, and maybe we could hope to move on. Of course, this is never going to happen, but we can speak in fantasy. Yeah, the, the only one who's not defensible here is Tucker Carlson with his fucking vaccine denial and the Alex Berenson. That, that's a whole other thing. But, I, you know, so I think I told you in for, uh, Forbes, was it? No, in Bloomberg, there was an article comparing uh, Florida's lockdown, Florida's lack of a lockdown, Florida statistics to California's, and uh, then, you know, uh, controlling for age and various risk factors. And the article concluded, and this is Bloomberg, not a right wing, that actually Florida had a better record in the end than California did. And I think that in somewhere in all of this, is a reluctance to admit that maybe DeSantis lucked in, you know, however, either either because he's smart and he is smart. You know, he might have the same policies as, as Trump in certain ways, but he's not Trump. This guy's a Harvard lawyer, you know. Um, well, the funny thing is that the thing that might sink Trump for DeSantis' benefit is support for the vaccine. I mean, DeSantis has studiously avoided encouraging people to get the vaccine, has not set him up as pro-vaccine. Whereas Trump, I think rightly, is like, I did Operation Warp Speed. Oh, absolutely. I developed this vaccine in record time. He didn't personally, but he put the funding there, whatever. You're going to claim credit for that. Uh, But that could actually be a problem for him in the Republican primary. But, you know, I think this vaccine is actually just skin deep. But DeSantis, on the other hand, was very good about getting, prioritizing the vaccine to the people who needed it the most. Because it never, it's kind of like AIDS back in the 90s when they were trying to tell everybody because they were, again, for good reason, they didn't want people to just consider it a, a gay disease and nobody would care about it anymore. They tried to make sure that we all thought we could get AIDS. But after all, we realized that just wasn't true. And they, this became the same thing with COVID. It became very important not to admit that actually there's a very small group of people who have a very high risk of dying from COVID. And it's like a 20,000 times greater risk. And actually, young people are not dying of COVID. And, and the fear was, well, once they figure that out, they're going to be like, fuck this shit, I want to go out, which is kind of what was 
happening. And so DeSantis, you know, I think he was very aware of the various risk categories, and he was very good about getting the vaccine to the people who would likely die. And he was more cavalier. So you don't want to take it, don't take it. And this became especially justifiable once it became clear that it didn't stop the spread. Because when the vaccine first came, we, we thought once you take it, that's it. You can't ever get it again. And that well, would stop that, the spread. That, that's my fault. Well, in fairness, the the people on the science side never said that it would stop the transmission, but it actually does. No. It, they, it lowers the trans. It doesn't stop the transmission, but it makes it less likely because you pr- you usually produce less of the They didn't virus. say it at first, but then the first studies after it came out showed the r not going all like way, you know, a little just above zero. So it was going, it would have disappeared on its own and you weren't supposed to be able to get it again. Only an outlier was supposed to get it again. But then it became clear that actually... As Alex Berenson said, it's more like uh, a medicine that you take preemptively. So you might still get it again, but you'll, you just won't get that sick. So at that point, well, it's really up to you if you're young. You want to take it. You don't want to take it. You've had it a lot of – so I thought DeSantis was kind of proven correct about that. He didn't close the schools. Florida. On the flip side, another yeah. sort of come, possible come-to-Jesus moment is that there's still no statistical evidence that closing sco- – the, the the states that close schools more than the other ones have worse academic outcomes right now. Like the, the most recent study also that I saw written up in Bloomberg was also sort of a wash where it didn't really make that big a difference. Uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, shocked by that, but I'll add to that when they've been talking about all the lost time and how this is, we're going to see this as consequences for a generation. I'm like, they'll catch up. Like my father came here nine years old from a, a lot of, a lot of people, geniuses, well, actually, that, that actually undermines me. But just regular people came here as immigrants, not even speaking the language in grammar school, and they catch up too. Like when when I did a I did a story where I talked to a bunch of teachers about what they were seeing in the classroom, maybe in January of 2022, and for them, it, they were not as concerned about the academics. Like eventually, the kids are going to learn, hopefully, enough math to to do fine. But a, a lot of it is behavioral, and it's like socialization that they did not have. And yeah. when you're going from third to fourth grade or fourth to fifth or whatever it is, that gap of a year where you're not having that sort of organic uh, interaction with other people your age, with adults who you have to listen to who are not your parents, um, they were they noticed that there were big behavioral yeah, issues. Yeah, and work habits, too. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to dismiss it as zero, yeah. but it's, I don't think it's the calamity that they're trying to say it is. Um, now, but can I ask before? You, you know, I, I'll add to that to that whole thing that also, you know, it, it might also be worse for poor people than even middle class people. Poor people do use, do rely, do rely on the schools um, as daycare and stuff like that. And you know, I, I don't want to be flippant about anything, but as they say in your business, things are n- never as bad as first reported, right? So I, I think that, I think we're going to be okay. The the loss of money that states that locked down, if that was a hurricane, let's say, we said this one, once before on the show, it would be the most serious natural disaster in history. So Florida spared itself the most serious natural disaster that it could have had in its history, that all that economic damage and all the lives ruined from that economic damage without losing more lives than a state which reacted drastically. Whether he got lucky or whether he's a genius, you got to say, well, you know, this is, this is a good credential for a guy who's going to run for president and is going to have to steer us potentially through future problems. So the left, who hates DeSantis, yeah, does I- not want to give him that credit. 
No, and I, I'm not, you know, it's hard to gauge if, if like, just deaths alone are the only criteria whether there are other factors in play, as you say. But in the, the end, big one. yeah, but in the end, you know, he, he was vindicated in that. If I, I haven't seen that exact thing, I'll send you the article. Yeah. If California is, is comparable to Florida, then, you know, he is vindicated. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it may have been lucky, right? It may have been lucky, but, um, I think it's likely that it was lucky. Yeah. What, what insight would he, would he have had? Well, he, he, what, A, I mean, he had the same insights that, that Jack was having, at some point, long before, I mean, Jack was having his inside probably a year before policy started changing. We were all kind of getting the feeling. I mean, as soon as the vaccine started coming out, a lot of reasonable people were saying, "Okay, you know, let's let's move on now. There's a vaccine," and it was almost another year before we really shed. But again, like I, you know, I did work on this where I was like. You know, my father is is on the older side, has a bunch of pre-existing conditions. Um, so, you know, before I would go to a family gathering, I would take a test to make sure I wasn't bringing COVID in to give him COVID. Um, and I, we sort of wrote and, and I did videos on this where I'm saying, you know, it's probably a time when we can start going to do the things we do. But that doesn't mean you have to be all cavalier. You can take a test to make sure you're not spreading it to old people if you're going to be around them. Um, but there's, there's really no market for that. It's really either you're a full-on... COVID is not a problem for anyone. It's a conspiracy, whatever. Or stay in your house. <laughs> and, well, and this is a classic uh, dividing line between, you know, conservative thought and liberal thought. And depending on the issue, I might find myself on one side or the other, but liberals tend to be more paternalistic and conservatives tend to say more like what you're saying is, listen, you're adults. You have you have perfect information here. You have the same information anyone else has. You decide What's best for your family? You have somebody with a pre-existing condition. Be more careful. You're you you're at college. I mean, colleges were shutting down. One person would get COVID yeah. after the vaccine was there, and they were just sending everybody home. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is, you know, among China's many problems is that they've done the zero COVID thing, and it's obviously this big authoritarian nightmare. But it also it just showcases that in the end, everyone's going to get this virus. Like you, you can try and have these lockdowns for years and years and years, but like the end game is that everyone's eventually going to get COVID. Like my parents got, my dad ended up getting COVID and he made it because he was boosted and that's, was the right thing to do. Um, but they, they have really paid the price for this, you know, what, in what I guess conservatives would think of as the ultimate sort of democratic, uh, policy of lock it down. Now, what do you think is going, are you, are you knowledgeable about China? What, I was like, why are they doing this zero COVID thing? I think they've just gone down that road. And I don't think their vaccines are very good. Is that um, what it is? Yeah, the, I think they're like, you know, if ours, I'm making this up, but if ours are a 90 at it, if they, we scored a 90 on the test, I think they, they're in like a 60. Um, why wouldn't their less. vaccines be very good? That doesn't make any Too much sense. MSG? <laughs> 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 exactly. Yeah. No, I I don't know about the science of it, but everything that I've seen on that is that the Sinovax, I think it's called, it's just not very good. And now they've started bringing in Western vaccines, but of course, all of this is is tied up in in like as you say, nationalist fervor and yeah, the ego of having to bring in the Western vaccine because we have the mRNA technology. They don't, as far as I know, they don't have the ability. To- but the other thing, you know, again, this is you know, it's we don't know this yet, but like the mRNA vaccines. Are they that much more effective than the J&J, which I got because I'd already had COVID? I subsequently got an mRNA booster. But uh, the interest, there's some, like, 
not a lot of data to back this up, but there is a school of thought that the uh, J&J as a traditional vaccine actually perform better against the different variants because it works with your immune system in a more traditional way. Yeah, what I think, my my understanding of that is that if the virus had not varied or mutated, the mRNA was much more effective than the J&J. At the point when it mutated, then it's not clear anymore because the whole the whole beauty of the mRNA is that it's so perfectly targeted. Who knows? Mm. It's amazing technology, though. Yeah, but I will say, you know, as the theme of this is that I'm quite happy that every day we don't, you know, I don't see, I don't spend my whole day looking at the news about COVID. I think we're all prepared. <laughs> and would you also agree that given that uh, Biden, more more people have died under Biden than under Trump, the, the main difference being that this Biden's regime existed while there was a, a vaccine, that um, as to, like what you said, uh, there wasn't much we were going to do. Like, you know, I, that's more, sort of oh, sorry. Go on. No, no. More people died under Biden. Is that what you said? Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, there's just sort of an inevitable uh, inevitability about it, which I don't think that we as human beings are really readily ready to accept that, like for the entire history of the human race, we've had these viruses sweep in and cause a lot of damage. And hopefully we can mitigate the damage. And I, again, I think the decisions that political leaders made in 2020 are very defensible. And, you know, was the. Thing I back. Well, they were made all around the world. The similar yeah. to, it's not like yeah. another. I mean, Sweden. Uh, the people made a big deal about how Sweden had less of a That's lockdown, but they still had a lot of social distancing in place even there. Yeah, and I think hopefully, you know, w- when this comes around again, hopefully not soon, there will be more of a, you know, nuanced approach. But if it comes around again and it really is bad. Well, yeah, it's going to be hard convincing everybody of that. It's sort of a boy who cried wolf thing. When the next, if the next pandemic, not if people start dying. The thing about COVID, it was like it was just like a lot of people were dying, but not that many people were dying, and they were old. If like you had, if you had a right, I suppose if you yeah. had a bunch of kids dying, yeah, uh, like you wouldn't have to convince anybody about to do anything. Be lock it down. Yeah, and, yeah. and we were tremendously lucky that babies didn't die. I mean, it, you know, it, it could have been so much worse. It was sort of a starter pandemic in a way. I mean, it was still horrific. I mean, millions of people died. But, um, you know, compared to, the, you know, as we, we were talking about the Spanish flu, I mean, that's an entirely different thing where, as you say, 25-year-old kids were dropping dead. Yeah, the, the years lost, you know, philosophers talk in terms of years lost. The years lost could have been way worse. I can't believe we lived through it. I'll tell you this, though. It was a pleasant time for me. <laughs> it was Well, if, if money is not a huge issue, it can be quite a pleasant time. You go, you can go, go somewhere... Uh, you know, you know, having a business, have I said this on the show before? Having a business is such a stressful thing. It's always open. It's always there. You can never get away from it. During the pandemic, we were shut down. I was hanging out with Perry and her family a lot. We were shut down. That's and it was, why you enjoyed it so And much. it was nothing I could do. And with that came a serenity that I'm, you know... Haven't had since 9-11, <laughs> which is the truth because 9-11 was in there. Manhattan was shut well, down. 9-11, your father was still alive, so you you weren't as involved in the comedy cell. No, but I had the Cafe Wad. I had the Village Underground. I was I, I had the Pussycat. I was, it had a lot. Mm-hmm. Comedy cell was, was not even the- And that was only shut down for how many, how long were you shut down after 9-11? Uh, a week? A week no, or two. No, not too Although long. you were in quite a pickle. On but I just remember that feeling of- Nothing I could do, like, and and it was very very relaxing. You'd have to, 
You'd have to experience it to understand. Although at one point, you during the pandemic, you did say, what did you do so bad in your life that of all people, you had to get stuck in a house? Rel- With you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, so, so... I was the only person you could talk about politics with. That's what you said. Oh, no, yeah, that makes sense. And then also, uh, the government was, you know, the government took very... Uh, good care of the businesses that it shut down, especially the nightclubs. Hey, can we, uh, I Not just so want much to, of the restaurants. Just to outline a little bit. The no, let me catch you. Go ahead. I'll ask Jack. What I do want to get to uh, Christy McVie okay. and, I guess, climate change, right? Because that's sort of your... I have some climate change issues. Go ahead. Christy McVie. So, go but, but unless you have more you wish to discuss on this talk. No, we probably had enough of this. Go ahead. Okay, so Christy McVie or climate change? Christy McVie first and then climate change. Is it Christine McVie or Christy McVie? Christine McVie, I think. Christy could be short for Christina. Yeah. Christine McVie Fleet, of Fleetwood Mac fame died, I just found out, before the show at 79 years old, which I you didn't still realize. did the show then. I'm proud of you. I, 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 <laughs> I, uh, I didn't realize um, that she was that old. Do you know who that is? Fleetwood Mac. Right. So you know who, who Christine McVie is. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't cast myself as a, as a super fan of... Well, she. I mean, they were big in the 70s, so it's a little bit before you. And, but Christine McVie was at the piano. You see, uh, uh, Stevie Nicks. She was. Uh, she didn't really play an instrument. I don't, much I don't of know. She I played like so. a little bit of, which is amazing because she wrote great songs. And usually, people who write great songs are decent instrumentalists. I love Stevie Nicks. I think she wrote them along with Lindsey Buckingham. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm coughing. Do you have COVID? <coughs> I don't have COVID. I choked on the water. Go ahead. But but uh, Chrissy McVie was a pianist, and she wrote several songs too: "Songbird," uh, "Over My Head," um, uh, "Say That You Love Me." Anyway, I love you. Huh. Is oh, that the name of one of her songs? Are you confessing no, you, your love for me? No, you said say that you love me. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, um, but I want to ask Noam because Noam's our resident music nerd. Who was the better musician overall, Stevie or Christy? Who was the baddest bitch in rock and roll, or at least in Fleetwood Mac, anyway? I don't, I don't know. The, I mean, as you said, Christy McVie actually played, played, a, um, played, a, played an instrument on a, on a professional level. Like she was the keyboard player, I guess. So. You would say she's a better instrumentalist. I don't know who's a bigger talent. Uh, Stevie Nicks, I think, wrote, somehow became a bigger star. Well, Stevie Nicks was sexy. <clears throat> yeah, we could go, but we could go through, uh, you know, she, she, Stevie Nicks wrote and sang Dreams, right? Uh, here you go. Yeah, yeah, Dreams. And, and that was one of the very biggest hits. And Rhiannon, Rhiannon, yeah. which was also huge. Rhiannon, and uh, who sang Landslide? And landslide. Yeah. So and she wrote that too, I believe. Maybe and, with Lindsey Buckingham. I, I don't know. So they're both good. It's a great band. Amazing band. I love it when talented women are reduced to who is sexier. That's he didn't really, say that. He did so. Uh, no, no said, I said who reduced them. He was saying that maybe that's why she became a bigger star. That's correct. Okay. <clears throat> yes. I said who is the better musician, I think was my question. And then and then he said Stevie was a bigger star. I said, well, she was sexier, which mm. has a lot to, I think, has a great deal to do with it. And 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 she had her voice was, I mean certainly Chris, raspy and it, it was raspy and interesting. Yeah. And Matteo Lane, this guy had the nerve, the fucking boy. I should I, I was about to kick his ass, except he's in, he's a lot in better shape than I am. But uh, he said that she sounded like a goat, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that and that he prefers Mariah Carey. Well, that's apples and oranges. Mariah Carey is one of the, is, is, is a fantastic singer, and, yeah, and I think you, she's the all time leading female artist. And she writes all her songs. I don't think she writes her songs. If she writes her songs, then I might. I Mariah might have Carey. To... Mariah Carey absolutely writes her songs. 
I don't know to... if she's written every song she's ever performed, but she she when she hit the scene, she's so Are you gay now? She produced she produced her own demos and brought them to Tommy Mottola before she was famous. Mariah Carey is a is a big success. I, I don't know that she wrote her own stuff. But I had to verify that. If she did, then I might have to go uh, rethink this whole thing. Wow. You didn't uh, know that. Let me. Let me no, I'm, I. I just assume she didn't because she's a singer who play who doesn't play an instrument. And so, I, generally speaking, singers that don't play instruments don't write their own. How songs. many of Mariah Carey's songs did she write herself? Now, <laughs> as I said, Stevie, I guess, was an exception because she didn't play really. I think she played a little bit of tambourine. And, well, one uh, question is whether they get they have a songwriting credit or they actually wrote the song because you know it, everybody gets a songwriting credit really if you're a big enough star. No, Mariah Carey is a great uh, songwriter and talent. She's no joke. She 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 broke out on the scene um, with songs that she had written herself. Well, if that's the case, then I guess I have to rethink it. Meanwhile, <clears throat> um, now you with that baritone voice, do you have any musical ability? Uh, Doo-wop band, perhaps? I've been known to sing a little bit, but uh, no, I... I, my mom tried to make me learn the piano when I was about nine, and that put me off the music business. Oh, but I'm talking about your voice here, because that's what really stands out with you. Uh, no, I don't I, I don't. Did your guidance that. counselor ever say, look, forget the grades, Mu- uh, traffic and weather is your future? <laughs> I should I should be so lucky Yeah, you, be on New you, York One. Your first album can be called Able a Sociopath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would fly off the shelves. <laughs> that's amazing. Why was it ableist? Um, because it is a real issue that, you know, people that are disabled, some are at higher risk of, of dying of COVID and we should be cognizant of that. But me saying that people should feel free to go to a sports game, is not really ableist. I don't think. No, no, it's okay. So uh, now, now that you've had a little taste of it, are you exhausted with this whole, uh, woke, uh, PC. What does woke mean? I people now it's, it's been so, uh, bled of, of meaning to uh, me. I think politically correct, but. But, but even more so. Fucking idiots. What kind of a fucking idiot white person refers to themselves as woke? You know, if you, if you actually were socially conscious, you'd realize that white people stole that word from black people. Once again, doing the Elvis thing, right? But you know what? I blame black people for that. One of them fucked up. They were at a party, there was white people there, and they let it slip out. <laughs> Stay woke. I mean, the fuck you say it. And some white person heard it like, ah, oh, who is that? <laughs> oh, my God. Stay woke? I want to say that. I got to say that around my white friends so they know that I'm down. Oh, my God. I'm going to fucking say that. <laughs> fucking woke. I'm fucking woke. I'm a woke signaler. I fucking had it. I've had it. I support black people in my white apartment on Twitter. That's what I do. I'm fucking here for you. Every white person likes to lie to themselves that they were alive, you know, 150 years ago, that they would have been working on the Underground Railroad trying to help slaves escape, right? I would have been one of the good white people. That's, I would have taken time out of my day, risked my life. And the reality is, is you'd be doing back then exactly what you're doing today. Nothing. <laughs> Not a fucking thing. Maybe a little hashtag, Black Lives Matter. Oh my God, I, my heart breaks on my L-shaped couch. Oh. <laughs> my favorite thing about the Black Lives Matter marches 
was the, the store windows that would have the plywood over the windows and then it would say Black Lives Matter on top of the plywood. I just love the duality of that message, you know? It's like, Black Lives Matter, we're all the same, we're all one. Don't burn down my store, you fucking animals! Everybody is welcome in this store. Anyone can come in, one at a time, follow him! It's just a safe space for everyone. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, you know, there are there are movements online that are ultimately unproductive, I think. But if, you know, if being woke is like aware of the fact that police treat me differently than somebody who's black, I, I think I'm woke. If it is, you know, trying to get someone fired from their job for something they tweeted, that's not what I'm interested in. Uh, wokeness also, that, that you know, uh, wokeness also to me has the connotation that you have these kind of, opinions and also you are not interested in anybody discussing them with you like if you say i it's what it's 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 a liberal i would say you can have the position that um what's the name of the the uh swimmer who uh oh um at penn who the trans the transvest transvest transgender swimmer um, well, what, uh, Lauren? Was it Lauren? Whatever her name was. You, so you could have the position that I don't think it's... Leah Thomas. Leah Thomas. I think I think it's fine for her to compete in female sports. Like Alan Dershowitz had that position. I wouldn't find that as woke. It becomes woke when you say that and you think anybody who disagrees with you is a monster. That That's part of the whole woke thing is this opinion of anybody who disagrees or with you. Or should be canceled. That's a whole nother level. Like we were surprised that Dershowitz... Dershowitz felt that she should right but he also said he sort of he could be swayed otherwise he wasn't right but he, I, well I he pushed, wasn't ready I pushed to, back on him and he said well maybe you're right but he did a podcast prior where he came down strongly that she should be able to compete but I, nobody would call Dershowitz woke because he made it he, he was making a reasoned argument in his mind why it was wokeness has this almost you know quasi religious and, and thing to it which whatever I don't know. I mean, that's I just, why, I, that's I, why they think, call it woke, right? I, no, I think the term now is, is not very useful because it's basically just a term of derision that people use for people they, whose views they disagree with. Yeah. Um, I do agree that if the way that you talk about the issues is really just to show that you're part of some <clears throat> in-group and that like you are in the right place and everyone else who agrees with you is in the right place and everyone else is a problem, does not seem like a productive way to conduct yourself. Um but I, it's certainly not exclusive to, you know, the far left. And it's also, you know, I, th I think people are, they get very upset. They, they, for things that affect them personally, especially, um, it's, a, they viscerally feel it and they do react strongly to people who they think are not, sometimes they're, they don't think that you're disagreeing with their politics. They think that you are denying their humanity in a way or denying the, the fact their complaints about how they don't have the full rights of citizenship in our society. And, I can understand why people get upset. It's just in the end, it 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 uh, it doesn't solve many problems when we yell at each other. And I don't really understand why they get upset. I mean, depending on the the case, but you should be able to discuss things without people getting upset, um, as long as you're not being nasty or or in bad faith. So uh, climate change, climate change, baby. <laughs> I I was listening to this podcast. It was is Megan Kelly's podcast. By the way, Megan Kelly's. Megan Kelly's podcast, I don't know if you ever heard it, is very good. She really is good. And then, you know, getting back to the Stevie Nicks thing, she was always so attractive and so polished and, you know, 
it wasn't clear to me if that was part of the reason that she was doing so well on TV. She is very good. But anyway, she had this uh, guy, you you probably know him. It, 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 it starts with SH, and he ran for governor in California. The dude, and he claims to be an, a climate change expert. Oh, uh, yeah, but he wrote the book sort yeah. of uh, against the grain on yeah. the science. I don't, I don't know his name, though. Shut, shut, shut. How can you not know? You're a climate... All right, well, I'll, we'll look it up. He, he, he got bulldozed by <laughs> Gavin Newsom. And he, and he came out with this stuff essentially saying that electric cars, because of all the minerals and everything needed to produce these electric cars, will not be the answer to, uh, to auto emissions. You know anything about that? Well, I, I know I was something about shocked it. by this. You know something about it? Well, I, from everything I've read is, yes, it, it, you, you produce more uh, carbon emissions. The production of electric cars are much worse in terms of carbon emissions. But oh, after about five years, uh, you break even because there's less because you're using electricity and hopefully clean electricity, ideally. And then after that, there's a net uh, uh, benefit to an electric car. And, it, and, and as we use more and more... Uh, clean energy that will that, that 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 mathematics will only get more and more in favor of electric cars. That's what I have read. I don't know. I, if- I think that's true. I mean, the one thing that Americans uh, are very reluctant to confront is that the internal combustion engine is one of the biggest climate problems we have because cars are so integral to American culture. We've designed our entire society around cars. Every city is designed around cars. But in the end, we need to change all the cars that we drive because the 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 exhaust is a massive problem. It's not the only problem, but as you say, yeah, the you know, and some of the, you know, the minerals that you need to make a a, cl- a clean battery for a for a uh, an electric car, they're very hard to to procure. You need lithium, which is only available in a few areas of the world. All this stuff, but in the long term, if we had a, f- a full fleet of a hundred million cars on the road that were clean instead of internal combustion engine. It would make a huge difference. No, but he said we, he said we we can't we can't scale it up that that high. It, it would become very very expensive, and then the electricity to produce all the the, the technology to produce all the electricity would also not work out. I, I don't think that's backed. Sh- in the, Schellenberger, yeah. I'm not sure that's backed in the in the, in the mainstream. I mean, doesn't mean he's wrong, but um, you should go and listen to it. It's, it's it, Megan it's Kelly. Also, it's also. Uh, you know, I, I did a story on. Yeah, I asked to have. Uh, it was one of my uh, guests uh, wi- on my guest wish list. I think Schellenberger. Well, let's get him on. I think Coleman can help us get him on. So I, I, w- I was listening to this guy. I'm like, if this guy knows what he's talking about, this is this is serious. But it, I don't know if he knows. It's a what little. He's about. It's just a little short sighted because all of all of our survival depends on our ability to continue innovating and make making better and better things. I did a story on hydrogen as a potential uh, battery for cars, which is a complete alternative to what you would find in a Tesla or in any other electric car you'd find on the market now, which is a completely different way of producing cars, and it has different materials and everything. And if you were to scale that, yes, there, there, there are costs on the front side. You know, concrete and cement takes is a huge carbon problem. But, you know, in the end, if we, if we change the way... We do everything, which is what we're, what's going to have to happen. Eventually, we will come out the other side, and it's all dependent on genius engineers. Basically. Just how bad uh, would it get if we did nothing and continued uh, doing what we're doing? So, I mean, that that's a debate in and of itself, of course. The the big thing that's been a problem for decades is that people talk about sea level rise, uh, and that is simply not 
the issue that we face. The issue that we face is extreme weather events uh, in many different forms that are going to kill millions of people. And before they even do that, those millions of people, hundreds of millions of people are going to be on the move. So if you live in Bangladesh, like, yeah, and you have a, a, like three typhoons hit in a year because they're going to become more ferocious and probably more often, eventually you're going to leave. And so where are you going to go? Are you going to go to a neighboring country? Are those people going to be happy to see you? Look at how we deal with the caravans that arrive at our border. This is a political problem way before the, you know, the ocean is in your, in your front yard or whatever. Um, the fires out west, the, the droughts are going to be – the drought in China this year, which basically was ignored by the west, was horrific. It was absolutely horrific. It basically was mass crop failures across much of the, the country. Um, and these are the things in the short, in the shorter term. And right, right now we already see these crazy storms, but those are the things and the political problems that they create are what we have to worry about. And also diseases, right? I was just reading about like the zombie virus in Siberia that. Yeah. The, as the, the ice melts in the Arctic, there are these ancient, uh, viruses that are coming out of the ice Hilarious. that we have, we have no immunity to this was at a all. science fiction movie. I'm sure. Yeah, it's already been. It could be a script. I yeah. think. Yeah. Um. I mean, and of course, on any particular storm, you don't actually know whether, like, Florida actually has had a bunch of years where it had fewer hurricanes as opposed to have. It's it's less about the number of storms than you know. If you there's very solid science that as the Earth warms, there's more water vapor in the air, and so then there's more precipitation in the clouds that falls faster. So you might have noticed in New York, particularly, we have a lot of flash flooding problems now in the summer, and it's not storm surge. It's a massive amount of rain falling in a very short period of time, and there are areas of Brooklyn and Queens that people live in basement houses. Uh, if there if there's a flash flood that they have no warning about, they are stuck in their basement, and we people die. I mean, yeah, in 2021, yeah. there were two hurricanes where we had a lot of fatalities, um, and this is what in the near term happens, and then it gets worse as it gets hot. Now you'll be pleased to know I drive a Tesla, <laughs> and it is the greatest possession i've ever owned in my life but not because it's electric necessarily you just you you, you know the handling the well, every yeah i mean it, it uh, drives the way it drives because it's electric right i didn't i did not buy it to to help the environment um <laughs> <laughs> but having said that this is a an important insight that musk had which is that you know not everything has to be like taking your medicine like it, it, it's perfectly fine to make these cars desirable in their own right so that people will buy them, you know, and and the byproduct can be helping the environment, right? And that's that's a big part of the work that I've started doing with this Unapocalypse series where the solution is going to come in making things cheaper and better. Like nobody in the end, as you said, is really making that many decisions as a consumer based on their fear of, you know, wildfires in California. Um, but if you know, solar and wind are cheaper, which they are now. Um, that is just but more- che cheaper than they used to be, or cheaper than cheaper. coal and, and and oil. Cheap, cheaper than oil and uh, oil and gas. If you can, natural gas is very competitive still, but coal is no longer competitive at all. Mm -hmm. um, and the barrier to that, which I did it was a feature in our series, is we need to basically redo the um, power grid of the United States. Basically, right now there are three grids that are separate, and they're all controlled by local utilities. And it's almost impossible to get a solar plant or a wind plant online in, in a lot of areas because the local utility is not that interested. They have their stuff going on already. That's not their prerogative. Um, 
and it costs, you know, there's a huge regulatory barriers um, and it costs a lot of money to build these big transformers that are going to be basically the future of um, moving energy around the country. They're called transmission lines. Um, but if we were to set it, it will take some government action. And actually, Joe Manchin's permitting bill, which uh, a lot of liberals hate because it will make it easier to build fossil fuel stuff. It will also make it a lot easier to build these clean infrastructure projects, which we need to make what's already a very good product, solar energy, viable at, to supply the places where people actually live. Well, what about the problem that, that in solar, sometimes the wind doesn't blow and oftentimes the sun doesn't shine and... That means you have to store the energy, but that that can cause problems because that's not necessarily efficient. So, so the storage is an issue, and there are a few ways to approach it. They are developing better and better batteries. That's another innovation thing. There's there are ways to use other power forms to store the energy. So there are models of using hydropower, which is totally clean, and we actually have a ton of already because we have dams all over the country. You can use hydropower as a as a means of actually storing energy from other parts is, of the is that by you lift the water up yeah you, you use energy to lift the water to a higher level and then when you need the energy you let the water fall is that how that yeah works? you have control over when the water is coming through the turbines you spin the turbines generates power when you need it but the the larger model is that basically right now we have a pie and there are not a lot of slices of the pie and the biggest slices are obviously oil and gas and now to a less and less extent coal and a bigger and bigger extent solar and wind. But if we want a pie that actually is dependable and um, serves everyone all the time, you need things like hydropower. Nuclear will be a huge part of it. I want to ask you about nuclear in a second. And I, do, I we just we're shooting a video tomorrow, actually, about uh, geothermal energy, which is a very cool kind of what's called firm. All of those are called firm power. And that's basically... They are operating 24-7, so they supplement what will most probably mostly be wind and solar to have a dependable grid all the time. And how far are we away from fusion? I mean, the old joke is we're 50 years away and always will be. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know a ton about, um, it, well, it, I think what we have now is fusion. I think fission is the other thing, isn't it? Well, fission is what, what nuclear power is oh, right so now. So what we have now is you, you're- It's fission. Yeah. But, but fusion, fusion is- Fusion, you're putting the atoms you're together. You're smushing the atoms yeah. together- and creating energy that way. So years ago, I mean, maybe 15 years ago already, I was saying the following. I said, you know, they're not serious about this climate change thing. They're telling us it's an existential threat. But if they really believed it, they would build nuclear plants right now. I think I started saying this when uh, McCain was running against Obama. That's how, how many years that is. I said, because if, if you think something's an existential threat, and you have a solution now. Yes, it, there's there's some risk to nuclear power, but not huge risks. You build it now, and then you buy time, and then you, when you are ready with the other forms of the other uh, means to produce energy, then you go online with the other ones. To this day, there has not built been a new nuclear power plant built in America since Nixon. No, I agree. And Germany, we what just, the fuck is going on? We just saw Germany. And now we have, I'm sorry, but now we have electric cars. So you could power all the electric cars with the nuclear energy. So. No, I agree. It's a, there's a taboo about nuclear. And a lot of people on the environmentalist left are opposed to nuclear. And I think they're wrong. You look at Germany, you know. Well, you say you think they're wrong. They are. It's yeah, indefensible. They are, yeah. And it makes me think, you don't really believe what you're even saying. Do you really believe there's an existential threat? If, if your child, if I doctor said, listen, Mr. Dorman, your child is going to die. We have this temporary measure. There's some 
complications with it, but it'll hold over until they're, but they're developing new medicines all the time. No, no, I don't want it. Like, it's not, it's. No, and I, you know, Germany almost basically committed national suicide by shutting down all of their nuclear plants just in time to get into a geopolitical conflict with Russia. (laughs) It's amazing. And And Trump warned them not to. They were, they were, yeah, well, yeah, he was actually right about the Nord Stream thing, (laughs) but um, they were, then they were talking about firing up their coal plants for the winter. Yeah. And eventually they reverse course, and now they're using nuclear again. And actually, France is huge on nuclear. Well, they've always been. I mean, they've yeah. been yeah. since the fifties. And happen. and the, you know, the French didn't meet their uh, Paris Accords. Is that was it? The Paris Accords uh, are being fine because nuclear doesn't count yeah. as part of the energy. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah. No. What the, a species this, we are. In es- in Esquire <laughs> magazine, actually, during the the Paris Climate Accords, uh, John C. Richardson went to Paris, and one of the stories he filed was about what was basically a smaller group of people who were dedicated to nuclear being part of this pie, of this energy pie, and they were not, you know, in the mainstream of this co- uh, conference, as you get it. It's like the Great Barrington Declaration of uh, for Climate Change. Like, <laughs> it, makes, it makes no sense. It really makes no sense. No. but, but, unless, but unless people don't really believe that it's an existential crisis. No, the 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 takeaway is that Democrats are one explanation is that Democrats are full of shit, but it is a real problem, you know. But when Obama runs on that, people forget that in the stimulus bill, which would, should have been much bigger, there was a lot of climate funding, including for a company called Tesla, which basically got off the ground as a viable scaled business because of this government money that we pumped into it, which I think was the right thing to do. Isn't Schellenberger also a big nuclear booster? Isn't he the, the one that? Uh, he probably is because he's, you know, uh, a iconoclastic uh, kind of uh, voice. I, I mean, how could you not? I would say nuclear has is back in the mainstream discussion now of like we need whatever percentage, fifteen percent, twenty percent. Why not a hundred percent? Well, you know, you don't, you wouldn't want to live next to a nuclear plant. Like I understand people's reservations. I don't. I think we need to build them, but I, know. I don't know if it would, if hundred percent would mean that I would have to live next. to... <laughs> Well, that's it, but that's the other thing. That's the issue with build, with build it in and, build it in the poor neighborhoods. <laughs> no, Where can you build? I'm, that? I'm, I'm sure we have a lot of land in this country. I'm sure there's yeah. places to build nuclear power plants that don't mean but somebody has this, to live right next to them. This is the the issue with the transmission lines that I was talking about. The best wind and solar harvesting is in areas of the country where nobody lives. It's in you know parts of West Texas up through the middle of the country in the least some of the. Least well, I was just in South areas. Dakota and I dry, uh, I had a gig there oddly enough, but I was driving. Like for ten miles, it was nothing but windmills. Yeah, and so for that, you need these massive power lines that are a new. They're called direct current. Like what we have in this room is alternating current, but there's a new type of power line that can carry it over huge distances. So the that was, idea that was Tesla, right? He wanted direct current, and or no, Edison wanted direct current. Tesla wanted. I, I forget. Maybe yeah, okay, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, the idea is that in Iowa, where they are starting to have a lot of wind, actually, you could carry that to Chicago. And that would power people's homes in Chicago, and they wouldn't have to have a power plant outside their house. Yeah, it seems like we have a lot of solutions available to us, but nuclear is a big one, and it's just and and you know, even even in the Soviet Union with Chernobyl with communism in nineteen seventies technology, we managed to contain it. We could build nuclear power plants, and and let's say. There is an accident and and uh, five thousand people die. You know that's not that's not the end of the world. If it means we're saving civilization, people die. We have accidents. There's hurricanes. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of times people die. 
Yeah, I understand on the visceral level why people are concerned about it, but as you say, the facts of the matter are that we need part of our energy to come from nuclear. Anyway, all right. What else? What else is what else is on top of your list uh, politically these days? Well, now that you're a right winger, <laughs> yeah, fully transitioned to a DeSantis superfan. Yeah. Um, what are you still liberal about? Um, I I am amazed at the idea, and I I don't I don't know if we should venture into this. Yeah, but go ahead. I am amazed at the idea that the solution to free speech in society is to give one rich guy control over what people are allowed to say. Well, he, well, he bought it. He didn't, give, <laughs> he didn't give it to him. But everyone is, is lauding this as this great moment for democracy. Now people can speak freely again. <clears throat> but can they? Nobody do- Now it's a totally opaque process. Obviously, Twitter, he was right to lay off a bunch of employees. They had way too many employees. It was badly run in some ways. They were not turning a profit. But if you've been on Twitter recently, the ads now are the kind of things you'd see at the bottom of like a porn website or something. It's like uh, I wouldn't know, but go ahead. But yeah, I don't. Do I even <laughs> see ads on Twitter? I'm on Twitter a fair amount. I'm not sure if I'm seeing it. I was yet. talking about this today on on the said platform, and you know, to make it clear, I'm not going to you know quit this this platform just because he took over. But now every four tweets, you have a promoted tweet from some like crappy little website that's like oh, okay. right. here are like the twelve funniest texts of 2014 or whatever. I'm I'm, I'm going to give you a rundown on, on all the, the 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 pertinent issues on this Twitter thing. Mm. You tell me what I'm leaving out. Number one. Twitter was losing $250 million a year, I believe, something like that. So even though our journalist class doesn't seem to understand that, that's not sustainable. So taking over, he had to lower costs, lower expenses, and raise revenue. And that was not easy to do. And the way you do that is often by trial and error. So yeah, he cut 7,000 employees. Twitter still runs. Um, that's, that's savings of hundreds of millions of dollars. Number one. Number two, um, it's very difficult to take over a business and steer it in a new direction with employees from the previous regime. They're, they're psychologically, uh, um, inclined to resist you and to make any idea that you have fail. So... He's right to want to clear the deck of all these employees or try to find ways of weeding out who will become a good team member and who will become part of the deep state, as it were. <laughs> so, and because that's real, I, I took over a business once and I dealt with this very, very problem. He, this kind of a um, subscription thing, eight dollars for a check mark, whatever that kind of blew up in his face. He tried, and I think that he'll have to try other things, and I wouldn't um, judge him too harshly for that. He might be bipolar. Some of the some of the stuff that he did, including this Paul Pelosi thing, you can't defend it in any way. He needs to shut up. So he seems to have a problem there. Um, I don't think he's going to turn it into a cesspool. I don't think people are going to be using the N word, and I don't think you're going to have obvious hate speech there. Uh, but I think that uh, ambiguous hate speech, things that are defined as hate speech by the woke world, but one man's hate, the kind of like one man's hate speech is another person's, you know, point of view kind of thing. I think he'll, he will err in that direction more. I think that you cannot have, um, it would be nice to have a, a, a Twitter that gets it just right. But I think in real life, either you're going to have to decide either you're going to have a Twitter, which, jumps the gun on lab leak and Hunter Biden and all those things, 
or Twitter, which might be a little more permissive than you would like it to be. I don't think in the real world a middle ground is possible. And I think that Musk is going to have it freer. There's going to be a little bit more stuff that we kind of think, what the, how did that get through? Or why did that get through? I don't think it's that serious. Just block it or don't read it. It's, I, I think that his inclination is generally correct, which is that uh, this has been, and, and, and let me add to that, that Twitter was not only jumping the gun on things, but it was always from the same direction. They were always jumping the gun from a left-wing direction. You know, if it had been a, a story about Eric Trump or Donald Trump Jr.'s laptop, I don't think they would have uh, censored it. So having said all that stuff, I think Musk taking over is probably a good thing, and we should give him time to see how he does. I do think he personally should maybe shut up. Yeah, he should, and, but I think and, he will. stay in the background. Unless he's bipolar, he will, because he'll have to see what the fuck, I got to shut up. I think I think he's got a few picture, problems. Yeah, for, that picture he put out of his bed, bed table? Yeah, he had, like, like di- first of all, it was Diet Cokes without caffeine. It was so what weird, and, like, three guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, gun. it was just, like, it looked like such an unstable situation. Yeah, he looks like a 14-year-old kid who's on, like, a, you know, gaming binge or something. But but that's, but that's neither here nor there no, to how he's running to, Twitter. To the point of how he's running Twitter, he leveraged so much debt on this company that he has, like, $100 million in debt service alone yeah. every year that he has to deal with now. Which was not there before, as as you as you say, they were not running a profit before, but that doesn't help. Um, and his behavior, not just his personal behavior, uh, but the way he's running the company, does threaten to make it an an inhospitable venue for people to advertise in. And that's why I'm seeing these crappy little ads. Yeah, because nobody wants to advertise there. I don't. I think the reason they didn't want to advertise is because they got scared. Because I don't think there's a huge return on Twitter ads to begin with. So I think they're all getting off, just like they get off Fox News when Tucker Carlson talks about replacement theory. And then a few months later, you find that they go back in once the temperature lowers. I believe that in the end, these advertisers will come back to Twitter if things calm down. And, I, I just think know. there's a reason he tried to get out of the deal at every single turn. Oh yeah, it's, it's I, a it's a horrendous business decision. It makes no sense, especially because. This is a man who uh, the, the, he manufactures uh, like forty to fifty percent of his cars in China, and now yeah. he's going to be the champion. That's of free the most speech. interesting of all. That's so the most interesting. Issue I read of a all. Reuters op-ed on April twenty-fifth, so very soon, few days after he he agreed the merger agreement, and they were like, "We don't think that Elon Musk will go through with this deal because it presents so many problems for him as the owner of Tesla." Yeah, there's no reason for him to do this. It's it's not worth it to him, um, and he tried to get out of it for that reason because it's a disaster. What now that there are protests in the streets of Beijing and every other city in China, he he's not going to come out and say go free speech for the protesters. Well, let's see what he does. If he has balls, he will. There ain't no way. Or if he's crazy, I don't know. I, the reason I say I don't know because when you're that rich, um, money may not be everything. Money may not be everything. He, people could surprise you. He's he's not. But again, it's it's reputational risk, not just to Twitter, but to him a lot. But I'm also- caving into China. He will never recover from that in terms of his reputation in the world. We already has. He he already backed China's side of a, a dispute about the Strait of Taiwan. Like it's he has too much of his business tied up in there to to go after them. But the bigger let's thing see, is let's that see what he does. so much of the value of Tesla was not of its of its share price was not based on the fundamentals of the business. So much, like ninety percent of it. 
What he, I mean, they like Tesla a year ago was worth more than the next nine automakers combined. That's not based on how many cars they're producing. So, so the you, you correct. I think the I think like a typical PE PE ratio price to earnings ratio is like fifteen percent, fifteen times in the stock market, and Tesla was like over hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, all it's, it's all uh, it's based on this mystique that he's yeah. cultivated that he is a generational genius yeah. who will usher us all into the future where we fly into space and we have these cars. And by the way, as you put earlier, I think he did a great service to humanity in making electric cars not a Prius, basically. Yeah. But now he runs the risk if he really fucks this up of that sort of mystique around him fading away and suddenly he's just another Silicon Valley guy who's a little hit and miss. Yeah. I, I'm rooting for him. I think he's made some mistakes in terms of not being able to control his ego. But I don't think Twitter, I don't think he's going to make Twitter worse. And I think uh, if he can hold it together for a couple of years, I think, I think you know, years is a fair, um, it takes me a couple of years to implement new policies in my business. If he can hold it together for a couple of years, figure out, procedures and and various things ways of allowing people to be to speak more freely on Twitter ways of identifying things that are reliable and not reliable uh, other people will will find ways of doing that I think it will be a good thing I, I you know I don't like I do not like the censorship on Twitter and I think that this censorship on Twitter it's not just Twitter which is a private company and they have every right to do it but it's part of the death of a thousand cuts that's happening to our general cultural norm of respecting free speech. Like we just expect in universities everywhere, people shouldn't be talking so freely. I was look, I was doing some um, research on YouTube. I mean, they had on CNN, they had the grand dragon of the KKK. The New Republic had a whole issue um, about the bell curve with, you know, five or six black intellectuals debating this. There was a free speech culture 20, 30 years ago that does not exist anymore. And that's not to our credit. And people expecting Twitter to be part of this culture of censorship uh, is bad. I think it'd be great if we had a huge institution like Twitter that didn't do it. But what's going on on TikTok? Uh, what are the... In terms of, are you are you a big TikTok uh, follower at all? Of course he is. I do enjoy. It. So 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 what's going on? What's going on there in terms of how they censor videos? Oh, that's uh, a that's a mess. Yeah, I mean, all that data is going straight to some company in China. But but <laughs> did, 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 did they have? Is their free speech on TikTok comparable to how would you how would you compare it to Twitter? Do they, they allow things everything to get through, or is it more strict? It seems pretty algorithmic. Um, I noticed that. People, if they have a curse word, they, there's a big culture of putting text as you speak, and it's like goes along. It's like closed captioning, basically. Um, and when people use a bad word, they like exit out in the in the thing. And, and that's how Instagram is also doing some of their uh, COVID misinformation monitoring. It's algorithmic, where if you mention it, they start putting things on it, like you know, for better sources, go to the CDC or whatever. So you see some of that, but. I think it's mostly the same model where people report stuff they find abusive or offensive, and then. But is TikTok strict? Is TikTok particularly strict, or are they? Yeah, I would say, I would I, people people get stuff taken down a lot. I would and, say. And, and getting back to the other point, so you, it was it Eric Wemple who wrote that uh, uh, piece blog uh, in the Washington Post, where he basically confessed to 
being totally wrong about the New York Times firing of James Bennett, the editorial page editor who put the Tom Cotton editorial, and where the uh, employees of the New York Times had claimed they felt unsafe, blah, blah, blah. This is all about, this is all what I'm talking about. That, like, how did we get to that culture where people on the New York Times, you know, had somebody fired because he ran an editorial by a senator, you know? Um, Part of it was about the editorial press. Like, he freely admitted that he didn't, like, look at it at all, that, you know, it seemed like there was some shoddy editorial press. No, did you read Eric Wemple's thing about it? You have to read it. He, it's, it's, it, 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 all basically untrue. It, it had been fact-checked. There was nothing wrong with the editorial. They printed Ayatollah Khomeini editorials there. Um, there was nothing particularly bad in it, except he thought that we need to control the riots. He was, he actually said, free, anybody's peacefully protesting and free speech, we have to respect, but this violence has to stop. Maybe we should bring out the military. I mean, I, I didn't support that. I might have supported it if it continued for another week. I know I was worried about it here. The riots died down, whatever. It was not a crazy position, but the idea they fired the guy, right? And they apologized. This is all part of this same attitude, which freaks out if somebody tweets something. I would say- we do, I, I we, do Can't we survive this hearing, reading these things? I, I agree that there is a culture of censoriousness, but I think it's also important to consider that in the age of the internet, people now mock the term misinformation. But I recently, I was on Twitter, actually, I saw, I think she lost her house race in rural Missouri, but she's a Democrat. And she would talk about how she knocked on people's doors and they are speaking a different language of like totally detached from reality. They've fully gone down these rabbit holes where, you know, something becomes something else and it flies around the the world twice, as, as they say, before the truth gets its, its shoes on. Whether we like it or not, con- we do have to exercise some control over the flow of inf- information on a massive platform because most people are not going to read, you know, the the follow up that come the fact check that comes in and they're like, actually, they're not, you know, there's actually no basement in the pizzeria. Also, so they're not, they're not running, Richard Gere didn't put from, a, did from, not put a gerbil up his ass <laughs> from a business from a business point of view. People don't want to be on a platform that 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 is too toxic that says openly racist things where the n-word is flying around no i I don't think anybody's uh advocating that and the issue of misinformation like outright lies is a different is just a different issue but i don't i don't think i agree with you i think that um there's no alternative to to what you're saying and that we will learn to adjust I believe that we will learn to adjust as a people. It so, is, but it's sad. You know, it's it's not just, you know, Democrats don't like that people think that they're, you know, baby eaters or whatever. Like, pe- real people are losing their parents to these alternate worlds that don't exist. And they become una- unable to communicate with their own family members. And I, I see these people pop up online just when I'm just cruising the internet. There are people like... Yeah, my you know my my whole family, all my kids haven't talked to me in four years. I don't go to Thanksgiving anymore because they they don't like my theories about what's happening. It's it's yeah, but you don't know how how many how many people that really speaks for. I mean, there's it's not just the internet too. I mean, Fox News has done this to people, whether we Fox like it News or not. Fox News is a problem. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 there. People sit in front of the TV all day, just mainlining this rage about you know variously true and untrue things that the people they don't like did. But it is destructive in the end. But we will adjust. Look, look at how the midterms petered out for the Republicans. Have faith. 
I, I, I think as a, a, a freedom is the only solution and we will adjust. People will get burned a few times by believing a bunch of crap that gets debunked and they'll say, oh, you know, all right. I, I think it's going to be all right. I hope you're right. Well, it is. Look uh, at the midterms. Like, like people talk a good game about Trump, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, fuck this guy. Yeah. I mean, it was, they were also just talking about this crapola that does not have anything to do with people's lives for most of the election. It's just this insanity about, you know, everyone's trying to make your kid a drag queen. I mean, it's just not real. And eventually, normal people are like, I just don't want to hear this anymore. Like, this is insanity. People trust the, the censors less than they trust the, the bullshitters. And for good reason. I mean, this Hunter Biden thing, like every like super right-wing person I know— this is like their national anthem, you know, it's like... Oh, yeah, yeah. But I've, I think you're because, underestimating how ignorant people in this country are. Like, people get their literal news. Like, there are people in my family who get their news from, like, you know, memes about Trump on Facebook. And, like, they think that that's Yeah, but liberals, you see this poll, like, they ask liberal people, how many people, how many uh, unarmed black people do you think are shot by the cops every year? And they'll, they'll say, like, 10,000. Like, they don't know either. Yeah, I do think that the the best solution would be to introduce a class on critical thinking and source uh, yeah, source teach identification. Kids, that's right. At like the grade school level, honestly, and, and take go Fox the News through. off the air. You can't uh, take Fox News off the air. Uh, yeah, it's not. Gonna I'm be. thinking Fox News is going to have to adjust on their own. You know, it, in retrospect, I know we, it's time for us to go. Um, Roger Ailes was such a villain. But the worst thing that ever happened was that he left Fox News. Fox News under Roger Ailes was a thousand times better than Fox News now. The, it was more fun. I mean, it was like Bill O'Reilly talking about the war on Christmas. Now it's gone into this. It was like, more reliable. Fully, well, they, they still, you know, their po their polling unit is still good. Their elections unit is still good. But pretty much everything else has gone completely off the rails. So let me give you an example of Fox News under Roger Ailes uh, and, and Bill O'Reilly. Dick Morris, it was a 2012 election, and everybody, Dick Morris was predicting that Romney was going to win, blah, blah, blah. So then Romney didn't win. You never saw Dick Morris again on Fox News. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like that, like, well, it's like the guy that called Arizona for Biden. He was out the door in a month. He was gone because they were hemorrhaging viewers to Newsmax who were, and to, uh, what's the other Starwalt, one? Starwalt, One America. Yeah, Starwalt. He was out the door. Yeah. Even though that was but the reality. But he called it, right. No, but I, I have some inside information about that. And he actually did call it too soon. He jumped again. He, he did. They were way out in front. That's true. They got it right. Yeah. But he, it was, it was an irresponsible call. And I know this from data journalists who are not, uh, you know, partisans. Mm. But essentially, like, I mean, Ailes had famously regretted uh, hiring Glenn Beck because Glenn Beck was the first one to, like and got rid of him. With the whiteboard. Yeah, well, and all this, all this conspiratorial stuff. Fox News now is just I mean, I don't know if you saw it. Tucker Carlson was laughing and about Paul Pelosi getting hit over the head with a hammer and implying that it wasn't true. And then he talks about uh, uh, bioweapons labs in Ukraine. Like, just... Well, what I asked when I saw it, I was like, what if they had actually assassinated the Speaker of the House? How would these people have reacted? Uh, who knows? It's not a good sign. It's not a good sign that they're just openly laughing. This guy's like 82 years old. He got hit with a hammer. It's it's beyond awful. I mean, Fox News used to have Charles Krauthammer, right? This was when Fox News was considered on 10 to be like the worst. We got to wrap it up. I mean, there, there was already there was already there were already documentaries that documentary outfoxed. This is when Charles Krauthammer was the voice of Fox News. Charles Krauthammer would not find himself dead on Fox News today. 
right? You just clearly, he would disassociate himself so clearly from what's going. It is a totally different animal now. The problems with liberals is that they always think everything's on 10. So now nobody believes them. I I just read an editorial from the Washington Post from 2012 complaining about the the arrogance of fecundity that the Romneys are showing by having six kids. Like, you know, anyway, <laughs> like just like crazy stuff from your people. But anyway, I think we agree. We agree on a lot, Jack. I think maybe, maybe just with age comes a little like, uh, we'll just have another pandemic. Then I'll really be right. With you. Wisdom. All right. We well, got to go. It's way, way, too, way too long. Uh, um, but it, I love talking to Jack. Thank you uh, for listening. Thank you, uh, Jack Holmes. Thank uh, you. And if you're if you're seeing us, if you're only listening to us on audio, Jack is a white man, despite his, his Barry White, uh, Barry White as <laughs> Timber. Uh, is it Timber or Timber? I don't know. I thought it was Timber, but in any case, of course, uh, Nicole Lyons. Uh, thank you for your behind the scenes magic, Perry Lashen brand, and uh, stay tuned for Stupid uh, coming soon on YouTube, December fifth. And uh, we'll speak to you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.